Praise God. Good to see all of you. I think we need to start off with a chorus. There's one that's kind of old. Most of the choruses I sing are kind of old. And it says, Jesus, 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 never have I heard a name that thrills my soul like thine. Jesus, 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 oh, what wondrous grace that links that lovely name with mine. I think you can get it. Uh, Do any of you, does that sound familiar to anybody? Okay, yay. Thanks, Pastor. (laughs) Jesus, 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 never. my soul like thine. Jesus, 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 oh, what wondrous grace that links that lovely name with mine. Oh, what wondrous grace that links that lovely name with mine. Oh, Father, Jesus, how we do thank you tonight for that grace. We can't even begin to understand, Lord, what a great grace that would link us with you, that would cause us to be with you, to sit with you in heavenly places, to fellowship with you. We thank you for that tonight. We say in Jesus' name that tonight your spirit will flow between us and over us, that every enemy tactic is broken in Jesus' name. There's no fear here. We are free to share. We are free to love. We are free to receive. And we thank you, Lord, that the word goes in deep. And it brings forth fruit and does that which needs to be done in our earth today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Last week, I so appreciated how so many of you contributed and joined in. And as I told you then, I I really think that helps cement things in the people here rather than just hearing me talk at length. And uh, and it's, it's just helpful and it's good. Last week, we started talking about um, variety. One of the things we mentioned is that uh, people are are different, and that's the way God made them. So two teachers are not going to present the same way, and two people who work in the gifts of the Spirit are not going to work the same way, and two people who pray for others are not going to pray the same way. There are certain foundational principles. It needs to be... Uh, the foundational principle that the word of God is true and it's everlasting, that salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, um, faith in God, these things are principles that are true and steadfast. But then there's going to be great variety in what happens. And you're even going to see variety in this class, and that's fine. Um, We were talking last week in uh, the Old Testament about some of the people that did intercessory work, uh, such as Elijah, 
who can remember what did we what stick, sticks out to you about what it, we found out about Elijah and his intercession? Remember, he prayed that it would rain. What was special about that? Yes, do you remember how many times he prayed consistently? Seven times. He prayed seven times, and he, and he prayed expectantly. He kept telling his servant, go back and look again. Go back and look again. He was expecting something to happen, but he kept praying. He prayed seven times. And then we looked at Moses and how God said, I am sick of these people. I'm just going to wipe them out. And Moses said, Lord, remember how that would look. And uh, Miss Monica, can you tell us something on that? What you, she's been meditating on this, and she said this was really good. Did I, am I putting you on the spot? You can tell me no if you. Okay, I'm going to give you the mic. Well, God said that he, he would, uh, what, what was his terminology, but show mercy. Be, pardon, pardon them because of the prayers. Yeah, because he had prayed. Right, the words that he prayed, that he said. Right, according to Moses' word. According to the God said, according to the words of Moses, he was going to uh, pardon them and let them go. So there's importance in what we say to God. It's not just all in God's hands. Uh, We're going to look at a couple more. Uh, The next one we're going to look at is Daniel. We're going to look at Daniel. You don't have all that on yours. And I wanted to show you something. <clears throat> this is my cell phone. And I can make it come on. <laughs> I have learned to do a lot of things on this cell phone. I have a little place on here where people that I call real often, their names come right up on the screen, and all I have to do is tap them. I can go down here, and I can write a text to people. I've even learned how to take a picture on this thing and send that picture to Facebook, and then I can talk about it. I found where there's a calendar on here, and I can write things on that calendar. I can find the uh, phone log, and I can put some new names in the phone log. Are y'all impressed yet? No. Well, I'm saying all that to say this. That's about it. But you give this to one of my kids, and there's a whole world of stuff that they can do with it, right? You know, you know. That's what we're going to be doing as we're talking about intercession. You have a whole world of tools that you've never even opened yet. There are things that God has for us to use to do the work that he's calling us to do in this day and time, and we need to know what those things are. And also, we said the other aspect of this is you need to be encouraged to use your faith and, and put it to practice and do those things that need to be done in prayer. Amen? Uh, For those of you who were not here last week, one of uh, the main references outside of the Word of God that we're using is Lynn Hammond's book, The Master is Calling. And I'm going to be reading you uh, a passage or two from that tonight. She's such a wonderful teacher on that. I get to reading, and I think, well, I can't say it any better than her. I'll just read it. (laughs) So I do that, and I don't feel bad about it. All right. So having said that, you have all these capabilities Do you remember, this is not on your scripture sheet that I gave you for tonight, but in Isaiah, the 61st chapter, does anybody kind of remember what's in Isaiah 61? That, 
Yes, ma'am, give that girl a gold star. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. And that was a prophetic scripture referring to Jesus, Jesus. And do you remember that in the New Testament, there was a day when Jesus stood up in the synagogue and he began to read that? And he said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel and so forth and so on. And he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. And he sat down. Well, one of the parts of that scripture in Isaiah is the third verse. And if you look at the third verse in 61, you would, you would see that there are a lot of opposites in that verse. He says that he would give you beauty instead of ashes. Another um, translation of that word ashes is worthlessness. He would give you beauty instead of worthlessness. He said he would give you joy instead of mourning. Another word for that is regret. So joy instead of regret. He said he would give you garments of praise instead of a depression or a burdened and failing spirit that you would be called the oaks of righteousness in right standing with God, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. One of the scriptures we talked about last week, and I'm going to repeat it again, it's on your sheet, 1 John 4, 16. Jesus told us that it was expedient that he, that he go away because if he went not away, the spirit wouldn't come. He told us again and again that as uh, that we were that the Holy Spirit in us was going to do the work that Jesus had done here on the earth. Let's look at 1 John 4, 16 through 18. And we know, understand, and for those of you that are not familiar with this, why you see all these extra words, is this is from the Amplified Bible. And the Amplified Bible goes back to the Greek or the Hebrew and gives you the, um, the full meaning of that word, gives you other understanding of what that word means. I'll start over. And we know, understand, recognize, and are conscious of by observation and experience and believe, put faith in, and rely on the love of, that God cherishes for us. What's the important point there? God's love, and he cherishes it for us. God is love, and he who dwells, continues in love, dwells and continues in God. And God dwells and continues in him. Where is God? Where? He's in us. That's not heresy. It's in the word of God. It says he's in us. In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection within us that we may have confidence for the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him. Because as he is, so are we in this world. I want to stop there for a minute. I will read the rest just because it's all so good. But that's the main point. Because as he is, so are we in this world. So if you go back to Isaiah 61, and Jesus said that that scripture was fulfilled in him, and if he is in us, then that scripture is to be fulfilled in us. 
And one of the ways that that is going to be fulfilled is in our intercessory prayer. It can also be fulfilled in your witness and you're talking to people and you're serving people. But wow, I mean, there's no limit to what you can do in prayer. So as you begin to realize who you are in Christ and who he is in you and what his prayer is in you, you can pray for people that God places on your heart And God gives them beauty for ashes and worthlessness. He gives them joy for regret. He gives them praise instead of a failing spirit. They become oaks of righteousness. They become in right standing with God. They become the planning of the Lord that he may be glorified. And you know what happens then? Acts 17, 6. The people were talking and upset about these new believers. And they said, Those who have turned the world upside down have come here. That is us, boys and girls. We're turning the world upside down. We're doing opposites. There's no more ashes. There's beauty. There's no more mourning. There's joy. These things are in us, and they're going to come out of us. Do you agree with that? You know, it's important that you agree with that. It ain't going to happen if you don't agree with it. Praise God. Well, I'm getting excited. Calm, Calm down, Joy in this Baptist church here. (laughs) Okay. So last week we talked about Elijah and Moses. We're going to talk about Daniel. But before we go there, if you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn to a very familiar scripture. And I'd like you to turn there because there's something else we're going to look at. And that's Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. How many of you know where I'm going? We all love this scripture, and I'm sure to most everybody, it has a profound meaning at one time or another in your life. In Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, the 11th and the 12th verse, it says, For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. Then you will call upon me, and you will come and pray to me, and I will hear and heed you. Verse 13, then you will seek me, inquire for, and require me as a vital necessity, and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, did you realize that there was a day when Daniel in Babylon was reading that scripture? It meant a lot to him, too. But you know what meant something to him as much or more was the verse just above it. Look at verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and keep my good promise to you, causing you to return to this place. So Daniel is sitting in Babylon one day as a, as a, a slave. He was in a good position, but he was still a slave. And he realizes that 70 years ago was when the captivity occurred. And now he's reading a scripture that says, when 70 years is done, I'm taking you back home. So what did he do? Oh, praise God. Yeah, that, that's really cool. Okay, I'm going to go get me a candy bar out of the refrigerator. No, no, that's not what he did. Or did he say, oh, man, you know, it looks too bad around here. I mean, God said that. <laughs> There's no way that's going to happen. 
Well, let's see what actually did happen. In Daniel, the ninth chapter, the second and the third verse, he wrote, I, Daniel, understood from the books the numbers of years which, according to the word of the Lord, to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass by before the desolations which had been pronounced on Jerusalem should end. And it was 70 years. And I set my face to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Daniel saw in the book of Jeremiah that God had promised to deliver the Jews from captivity after 70 years. So what did he do? Set his face to it. And what else? Tell me more. He prayed. He prayed for those fulfillment of those things that God had spoken to him. And uh, let's see. I'm going to read you from what Lynn Hammond says about that. As a result of Daniel's prayer, the book of Ezra tells us that God stirred the heart of a wicked king named Cyrus. Cyrus not only released the Jews from Babylon, but he also sent them back to rebuild the temple at Jerusalem and provide the finances they needed to get the job done. Keep in mind now that Cyrus wasn't a man of God. He wasn't even a very nice person. But God moved on him anyway. Why? Because Daniel prayed. He didn't wait for anyone else to inspire him. Okay, was there something else there I was going to read? Or was that it? That may have been it. Okay. All right. So here's two things I want you to, to remember about this. Number one, Daniel didn't wait for the conditions to improve. He saw what the Lord had promised. He took that word and he began to pray it. Lord, your word says, Lord, I thank you that you are faithful to your word. You will do. I agree with you that you will do. You know, we are God's agent in the earth. He has designed that everything that happens in the earth happens as we his child, get in line with him and agree with him and pronounce it into the earth. So that was an important point. And number two, Daniel didn't base his prayer on the righteousness of the Jewish people. The Jewish people in captivity, they weren't, you know, praying three times a day, looking toward Jerusalem, carrying out all the sacrifices. No, they were doing every other thing. But still, he didn't, he didn't base his prayer on their righteousness. He based his prayer upon the word of God, upon God's great mercy and loving kindness, as Pastor was talking about. In Daniel, the ninth chapter, the 18th verse, I don't think you have this one either, so you might want to write it down. Daniel nine eighteen. Daniel says, Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and look at our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you for our own righteousness and justice, but for your great mercy and loving kindness. Praise God. Praise God. That is so good. I, just, I have to share with you. You know, let me do, break. Um, I spoke with the pastors and asked them, you know, I can cover this subject in the three weeks allotted, but is there any chance I could have a fourth week? <laughs> And they were so gracious to say yes. And the reason I did that is because 
I can go through this stuff, boop, 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 and we'll be done, you know, in three weeks' time. But I want to have time for you to say something, and if I don't get too excited, I might let you. <laughs> but also, just to insert things, today, I have a, later tonight, we are going to go through some scriptures, the scriptures you have on there, scriptures to pray for different things. But in addition, I also have a, a, a thing of about three pages where I've written out scriptures that I have titled for the return of the strong-willed people you know that once were serving the Lord, now they're not really, it's called, and I call it return of the strong will. And I took those scriptures again today, and I was going over them, thanking the Lord for working in them. And I came to this one, because this theme keeps coming up about loving kindness and mercy. And so I do believe it's the Holy Spirit that wants me to share this. I just had it here just in case. One of the scriptures on my list, and did I tell you that probably the last week, the fourth week, if I'll have these available, and if you want a copy of these scriptures as well, as well you can have those. Um, but anyway, Psalm 103, 17 in the Amplified Bible says, But the mercy and loving kindness of the Lord are from everlasting to everlasting. How long are the loving kindness and mercy of the Lord? Everlasting. To whom? To those who reverently and worshipfully fear him. And is that all? No. And his righteousness, that means right standing. He gives his right standing. To children's children, his mercy hovers over our children. And I was thanking the Lord for that. And you know what came up in my spirit? And this is what will happen to you, you Holy Ghost-filled people. As you're praying these things and you're praying them in faith, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you truths. And what he spoke to me when I was reading that is how, how great are his mercy and his loving kindness. How much mercy and loving kindness does it take to get this individual I'm praying for in? If it took all the mercy and loving kindness would there be a way that it, he could reach this person? And just came up and said, yes, there's a way. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. So when we read those things about his mercy and loving kindness, we can believe to see them come to pass in those that he's laid upon our hearts. Do you agree? Yes. Praise the Lord. Now, where on earth was I? Okay. All right, we got through that. So that's Daniel. He didn't wait for the conditions to approve, and he based his prayer on the word of God. We have two other people we're going to talk about before we get on to our next uh, aspect, and they are in the New Testament, Simeon and Anna, and they are both in Luke, the second chapter. We're not going to spend a lot of time there, but you may remember that when uh, baby Jesus was brought to the temple for the first time, Anna and Simeon were there and so blessed to see the Savior. It tells us about Simeon in the 25th verse that he was a righteous and devout man who was looking for the consolation of Israel. And what that means, he was looking for the Messiah. And it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been divinely revealed, communicated to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. And Anna was a prophetess. In her 
latter years, she had spent years just living in the temple. She was there day and night. It tells us in 37 and 38 that she was looking for and praying for the, re the revealing of the Messiah. This was an intercession that they were doing for a promise that had been promised of God, just like Daniel did, but they did their part to see it come to pass, and God honored them for it. Because they had done that, he made it just so happen that the day that Jesus came in, they happened to be in the right place and see it. So God respects you for the prayers you pray, and he honors you for them, and he blesses you for them. Now, not every one of you is an Anna. You're not going to spend your life in the temple. But every one of you, as I mentioned last week, you are an Esther. You have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. And I firmly believe that one of the things that you're in the kingdom for is to pray. Pray, pray, pray. Pray in the will of God for our nation. As you were talking about voting tonight, uh, one week we're going to do a prayer together that uh, Kenneth Copeland lined out that was really good. And, and we just need God to work in our nation, and he wants to. He's ready to. He wants us to cooperate so he can do what he needs to do. But anyway, what I wanted to tell you. So we looked at Elijah and Moses and Daniel and Simeon and Anna, and there are others. But, you know, there's something different about all of those people from you. You know what it is? You're on the right track. They are old covenant. Is that what you said, Pastor? I couldn't hear you. They were old covenant. And you know what happened in the old covenant? It was a good covenant. But what happened in the Old Covenant is visitation. The Holy Spirit visited, and they did great works. The Holy Spirit visited, and they heard what God had to say. The Holy Spirit visited and answered their prayer. We're in the New Testament. We're after the cross. We're after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What did we read in that uh, 1 John scripture, I lost it, there it is, 1 John 4, 6, as he is in the world, so are we, he is now in us, it's no longer an experience with the Holy Spirit of a visitation, it's now a habitation, when you're praying and interceding, he's right there, he's praying with you, he's praying through you, it's a great thing, I'm just going to do what I want to do, um, I mentioned last week, and I'm going to show it to you one day. There is a book, and it's a very good book, called Two Chairs by Bob Bodine that I just came across recently. And it's talking about developing a communication with you, with, with God, where, you know, daily you put the two chairs out there and you sit before it, and I'll have to go into it later because I don't have all the questions. And you say, God, what do you think about this? You know, we go to God and we say, Oh, God, we need to do this, and we not da 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 But instead, God, what do you think about this? What do you want me to do about this? And just talk to him, talk to him. And I thought, you know, that is so great, and that's so good. So I read the book, and I thought, this is good, so I'm going to do this. So I'm putting the chair there, and I'm putting the chair here, and I'm starting to do it. And this is good, but something feels funny. And I said, Lord, what's the problem here? 
I can't stay out of his lap. I'm not used to sitting with God like this. God is my big daddy. He's my good dad. I sit in his lap and I can talk to him and I can ask him what. So again, talking about multifaceted, multi, you know, culture, if sitting a chair in front of you works for you, that's great. But for me, I got to be in his lap. I just had to throw that in. Habitation, relationship with God. All right. Oh, you know, we were reading that First uh, John 4, 16 and 18 and I, let me just read that last part of that verse. It doesn't, uh, it's just good too. We read it down to where it says, because as he is, so are we in the world. And then it goes on to say, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love. It has not yet grown into love's complete perfection. All right. We might talk about some more about that at a later date, but I'm just going to let that stand. Your next scripture is Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 18 through 19. And this is out of the Living Bible. And upon this rock I will build my church. And all the powers, and another uh, translation is gates, of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever doors you lock on earth shall be locked in heaven. And whatever doors you open on earth shall be open in heaven. There's um, another way of looking at that, too, but we're not going to go into that tonight because this is good and this is true just like it is, so we'll just leave it at that. All right, it says, and then this happens as we pray and as we speak, that doors that we lock on earth are locked in heaven and doors that we open on earth are open in heaven. Um, Tell me one thing that is locked out of heaven. What is one thing that just, just won't get in heaven? It's locked out. Strife is locked out of heaven. Something else. I can't hear you. Sickness is locked out of heaven. Fear is locked out of heaven. Hate. Hmm? Tears. Tears are locked out of heaven. Say it again. Unforgiveness is locked out of heaven. So those things that are locked out of heaven, we can lock out of earth with our prayers. What is open in heaven? Love, forgiveness. Say it again, Rick. Blessings. Tell me a blessing. Blessings poured out that we can't contain. Tell me some blessings that are that are poured out. Healing. Finances, mercy, joy, all the things. If you were to die and go to heaven today, that what you would experience there, you can loose it because it's his will that heaven be manifest on earth. What did he say? Peace, peace, peace. Praise the Lord. All right. Now we're going to talk about the power of God's word on our lips.
But before we can um, do that, I need to, I want to read you something from Lynn. One thing is sure, before we can lift God, before we can lift God's word to him in faith, we must first focus our own attention on it. We must do as the Lord instructs in Proverbs 4, 20 and 21. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. We must turn the eyes of our hearts away from the problem, away from the darkness of the current situation we are praying about, and fix them instead on what God has promised to do about that problem. Then we must keep them there until we have seen it coming to pass in the eyes of our heart. For then and only then will we be able to believe we receive when we pray. Jesus said it this way in Luke 11:34, Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is sound and fulfilling its office, your whole body is full of light. But when it is not sound and it is not fulfilling its office, your body is full of darkness. In other words, the way you act, speak, and pray will be determined by where you are looking. In, I'm going to say it again. In other words, the way you act, speak, and pray will be determined by where you are looking. If you are looking at circumstances, you will be filled with discouragement. If you are looking at the word, you will be filled with faith. Let's see. It's just so good. Um, That's important to remember because often when you're praying for a person, the Lord may show you dark things. You may see, for example, that that person is demonically oppressed or even possessed. At times, such revelations throw people off track in their prayers. They focus their attention on the darkness and they get discouraged. Eventually, instead of praying, they end up on the phone gossiping about it. But that's not what the Lord intends for us to do with the information he gives us. He intends us to take the darkness. Oh, I like this. He intends us to take the darkness and hold it up to the light of his word. He expects us to have more confidence in his promise than any demon hell can dispatch. He expects us to say, darkness, you flee in Jesus' name. God's will shall be done in this person's life. So... We have to take the time to truly settle down on God's promise concerning that person. Maybe we've read it and confessed it a few times, but we haven't firmly laid hold on it. So when the pressure comes, God's word slips through our fingers like a greased pig. Did you get it? All right. Let's see what God says about the power of his words on our lips. I uh, recently was watching a uh, video message from uh, Jensen Franklin's church, and he had visiting, I don't know if any of you saw it, it was on fear, he had visiting with him one of the flying Walendas, are y'all familiar with the flying Walendas? 
For 200 years, they have had a uh, high wire act in their family. And they'll do these things over canyons, uh, from one 40-story building to another. I think one of them even did it over Niagara Falls. So the Walendas, or, or some of them, are Christians, and they had this uh, older Walenda on there, and he had his wire up, and he was up doing a high wire act at Jensen's church while he spoke. And the main point that he was making that had to relate to Christianity to our walk with the Lord, he says that when you are walking that tight wire, I don't know if it's a tight wire, it's a high wire. If, when, if you're walking that high wire, you have to find a fixed, unmoving point at the end and keep your eye focused on it no matter what. The, they Going across a canyon, the winds may start to blow. They might even fall to a knee, have to get their balance but they keep their eye on that fixed, unmoving point. And that's what we have to do as believers. And that's what we do in our prayer, too. It doesn't matter what the storms look like. It doesn't matter what the teenager is doing at 2 o'clock in the morning. It doesn't matter because we have our eye on a fixed point. It's Jesus Christ and the fact that he said it and he will do it. If he's given you a promise, he'll keep it. Keep your eye on that fixed point and you will make it across. Praise the Lord. I get excited. Isaiah 55, 11 says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect or useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Isaiah 57, 18 and 19. I have seen his willful ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him also and will recompense him and restore comfort to him and to those who mourn for him. Peace, peace to him who is afar off and to him who is near, says the Lord. Now, this is the important part. I create the fruit of his lips and I will heal him, make his lips blossom anew with speech and thankful praise. So just like we were talking about Moses when God said, according to your word, he wants, our, he wants his word on our lips, our coming forth to him in faith, and that is a creative force. You speaking the word of God concerning that situation is a creative force. He creates the fruit of your lips. Um, Job 22, 28 through 30, you've heard me uh, quote this one many times because it's one of my favorite you shall also decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you and the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways when they make you low you will say there is a lifting up and the humble person he lifts up and saves he will even deliver the one for whom you intercede who is not innocent yes he will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands praise God and then Psalm 103, verse 20. Bless the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his commandments, hearkening to the voice of his word. All right, I've got more to go on, but I am going to stop just a minute. 
this is your opportunity. I know that some of you, either last week or in what we've talked about, something has really stood out to you. We'd like to know what it is. Do we have a brave soul? This is Odie. We're so glad to have him tonight. Thank you so much. Just like uh, Ms. Joy said, my name is Odie, and um, I was passing down the road today, and I just decided to stop. And now, hearing those words, I know why God wanted me to stop. So, I think God wanted me to stop because um, about three weeks ago, uh, somebody introduced me to this... um, beautiful girl we started dating and from day one she told me that I know about you that you are a man of God and you believe in God and you love God and you live every day with faith but I have to tell you from the beginning that I don't believe in God and I'm an atheist and uh, she used to be a very Christian girl and uh, I have no I didn't get to the point to find out what drive her to go that route. But the thing is, I said, I took on this challenge and uh, we started dating just because I believe that God still does miracles. So from day one, I started praying for this girl. Her name is Christina Parker. And uh, I noticed that she didn't felt so comfortable about my faith going against her beliefs. So I think that's one of the biggest reasons why this morning she broke up with me. And uh, thanks to you, Joy, and you guys took me in this evening with a very warm welcome. I know exactly what I have to do. Continue praying. Even if I will not have this girl in my life ever again, it doesn't really matter. I think my job and my duty as a Christian is continue praying for this girl just like you said in the beginning you know there's different people out there and we're all different and unfortunately there's weaker people that you know the devil can put can really put his hand on and it's very sad she's a lovely girl I started to really like her but I'm thanks to you guys I know what I have to do and I'm so glad that God put into my heart to stop here tonight because my, I'm going to continue praying for this girl because I know God still does miracles. And I know God can really touch her heart and change her just like she used to be in the past, a very big Christian. And she's got a seven-year-old beautiful daughter that she believes in God, but her mom doesn't. So it's a pretty sad story, but God is good. And if you guys can remember her name, Christina Parker, if you guys want to say a prayer for her, I know she really needs it. So thank you very much. Yes, thank you, Odie. And Odie, be sure and come back next week because, well, I would tell you why. Well, I mean, the more the, we want you to come back anyway, but we're going to hopefully show a little video clip. It's an awesome testimony about God moving through prayer and saving a atheist girl and her father who are much worse off than anything you told about tonight.
that she just turned her back on it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, God's, God's got that. Is anybody else? Yes, please do, Elizabeth. Hey. Okay. We all know there are no coincidences with God. There are God appointments, divine moments. We ask the Lord use us, and bam, somebody needs something. We pray for them, you know, whatever it may be. That's no accident that you ended up here today. You'll probably be the first. I would almost guarantee that little girl is praying for her mama and her family probably. But this morning as I was doing dishes at the sink, I began to go into my prayer mode of intercessing for people. And I have found out that if I just ask God, Father, who am I to pray for today? The names just come, one after the other. And when, I, when he's done, I know, I stop. Sometimes it can be a long time. Sometimes it can be 10 minutes. This morning I started to pray, and I was praying for one individual. And the world would say, this is an impossibility. This will never happen. And as clear as day, I heard, but God is the God of the impossible. And that was the rest of my prayer, thanking him that he is the God of the impossible. He is the creator of all. And if we can't go and pray to him, who else could answer it? It's not going to be doctors or, you know, whatever. He is the God of the impossible. And he led you to that girl, possibly, possibly, so that you would be the one praying for her, so that something about you might draw you back. Learning around here. <laughs> Learning so much more all the time. The awesome compassion of God and how he does bring people across our paths. And we want to be sensitive to that. We've talked about that before because he just, he's not willing. What does it say in, in John three seventeen? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is a big creative God we serve. Look at the universe. Look at nature. If he's so creative and he can do all those things, don't you think he has some unique and awesome ways to get these people into the kingdom? All he needs, he just needs one or two people just to agree with him and just to step out and move and see things happen. Amen? Um, all right, so we got through half of your page. Uh, but that's fine. That's fine. Because like I said, you know, we've got time and, and that's what we'll do. So next Wednesday, we'll start where we left off. Hang on to your handout. Uh, I'll ask Miss Deb to make a few more in case somebody loses theirs. But we'll start off next time looking at the prayers that Paul prayed for the body of Christ, which you can use in praying uh, for groups, or you can use them for praying for individuals. So, Odie, that's, you know, those are good, too, for you if you look at that page about the prayers of Paul, just to, to pray that out loud for, for your friend. All right?